0: As you know well, Senator, there's uh, stacks of law reviews written to the ceiling on on all of that, whether it's privileges and immunity, substantive due process, or Ninth Amendment. But I think all roads lead to the Glucksburg test as the test that the Supreme Court has settled on as the proper test. Unless you're a constitutional scholar, I'm guessing it's hard to make sense of that word salad from Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Welcome to Bots and Ballots from Yahoo News. I'm Grant Burningham. Ian Millhauser is a constitutional scholar and lawyer, and he's also a writer at Think Progress, a left-leaning news website. Ian took a crack at figuring out what the Glucksberg test means and published an analysis saying that Kavanaugh's language suggests that he would kill Roe v. Wade. It was a detailed and wonky legal argument, and when it was published under the headline, Brett Kavanaugh said he would kill Roe v. Wade last week and almost no one noticed, it was flagged by Facebook's fact-checkers as fake news. But the organization that flagged it as untrue was The Weekly Standard, a right-leaning opinion journal. When something gets flagged as fake, Facebook doesn't share it as much, users get a warning, and the whole news site could eventually be penalized. Like most things with Facebook's algorithm, specifics are a bit opaque. What is clear is that Facebook is the front line in America's political war over facts. Today I'm talking to Jud Lagum. He was the founder and editor of Think Progress, and he's now the founder of a newsletter called Popular Information. Tagline, news for people who give a damn, available at popular.info. For Legum, the incident is part of a larger narrative of conservatives using anecdotal evidence to make claims of bias against tech companies to press them into concessions. And quickly, before we jump in, I want to let you know that I reached out to Facebook for comment on this. They tell me that all their fact checkers are certified by the International Fact Checking Network and all commit to a standard of, quote, nonpartisanship and fairness, they also tell me they're particularly worried about false headlines, since that's how most people consume an article, and that there is an appeals process in place for articles deemed false. Okay, with that, we'll dive in. Judd Legum, thanks so much for coming on Bots and Ballots. Thanks for having me. Okay, so since this is going to be a conversation about bias, um, why don't we start by talking about what Think Progress is, because it's not a down-the-middle news
1: organization, correct? That's correct. I mean, it's called Think Progress, and it's a progressive outlet. We're not trying to hide it. Progress is right there in the name. I think that we try to be accurate, just like anyone else would try to be accurate. Um,
0: Okay, so that's that's part of the necessary disclaimer on this. And also, Think Progress gets some funding from, uh, or did get some funding from, kind of a left wing think tank.
1: Well, it's actually housed within the Center for American Progress, uh, which is a liberal or progressive or left-wing think tank. So it's an editorially independent um, media organization, but it's housed within that, that organization. So it gets some funding from there, and also it is structurally a part of that think tank.
0: Okay, so now that we've gotten all the disclaimers out of the way, let's dive into this particular case. This was a story, and the headline was, Brett Kavanaugh said he would kill Roe v. Wade and almost no one noticed. It was flagged on Facebook as being untrue. And why don't you tell me what happens when fact checkers on Facebook flag something as untrue?
1: Well, a lot of things happen. First of all, the distribution of that story gets reduced. It's opaque in normal circumstances of how much it gets reduced, but Facebook is said by about 80%. So that's very significant. And secondly, anytime someone tries to post the article on Facebook for, for all time, basically, gets a, a flag, a pop-up – it probably differs depending on what kind of device that you're on uh, – saying that this has been fact-checked as false by a third-party fact-checker – and directing people to that fact check. And the final thing is, and I don't know exactly how this works, but if you get a number of flags, and I don't know if that number is 1 or if that number is 12 or what it is, all of your stories that you post from that domain can be reduced in in their distribution.
0: So in this particular incident, what raised a lot of people's eyebrows was the people doing that fact check in this case. Or the Weekly Standard, which is a right-wing publication.
1: Yeah, so the publication that fact-checked this article uh, is the Weekly Standard. It's essentially a right-wing opinion magazine. There are five or six entities that have been blessed by Facebook to do these kind of fact-checks. Obviously, it's an extraordinary amount of power that these organizations have. All of the other ones are non-ideological publications, places like factcheck.org, the AP, but they've very, in a very particular way, added uh, the Weekly Standard, and and that's who fact-checked this article.
0: And so there's some controversy around the fact that the Weekly Standard is even allowed to do these fact-checks. Um, They were assessed by a fact-checking organization, Pointer, and determined only to be in partial compliance, but Facebook sort of allowed them in. What was the thinking behind Facebook allowing them in?
1: Yeah, there's a long story behind this, and I'll try to make it a short story. Effectively, they announced this fact-checking program in early 2017, after the controversy with Russia and the fake news controversy. And then immediately, a number of right-wing commentators, including the Weekly Standard, uh, were highly critical of this, claiming that it would be used to implement left-wing bias and that, in fact, places like the Associated Press and FactCheck.org and others were actually liberal publications. And so— Facebook went into discussions with the Weekly Standard and really agreed to bring the Weekly Standard into this program. Subsequent to that, they then went through this process with Pointer, which is a journalism organization. And as part of this system that they've set up, they've required that Poynter um, essentially approve Uh, that each of the people in the program, each of the entities in the program meets their standards. So the way Pointer does that is they get an outside expert, in this case it was a journalism professor uh, in Oregon, to take a look at what their activities are. Uh, That professor, and I've spoken to him as I've done reporting on this, decided, uh, and he had some good reasons to do so, that the weekly standard really wasn't ready to participate in this program. I think they had done nine fact checks prior to submitting their application to Pointer, and that they needed several more months in order to develop a body of work that he could appropriately assess. But that recommendation was was overruled, and they were approved to start fact checking for Facebook in late 2017.
0: Your article in the Daily Beast kind of laid this out as part of a larger narrative, that there are people who are trying to kind of game the refs, game the media, and under the guise of giving both sides equal amounts of attention, really swing the debate. Why don't you talk about some of the other instances that you've seen that that would back that narrative?
1: Yeah, there's been a lot. For one, there is a political bias study that's being undertaken by Facebook that only involves conservatives. It was actually being run by John Kyle, who was a former senator when he was appointed to this position. He's now a current senator because when Senator McCain passed away, they appointed him to that seat. But he also was the person, the Sherpa, uh, in charge of trying to get through Brett Kavanaugh through the United States Senate. So that was the person. And it's, it's, to me, kind of unbelievable that Facebook would do this. But that is the person that Facebook put in charge of determining whether there was political bias on their platform. And by their own admission, they were only consulting with people on the right uh, to determine whether or not there was political bias. So I think they're very invested in – responding to right-wing complaints that there is liberal bias. There's really no actual evidence that there is any bias against conservatives. Uh, The other really famous uh, instance of this is Diamond and Silk, who is this sort of bombastic duo who are very pro-Trump, and they claim that they were censored by Facebook. There's no evidence to back that claim, but it's been taken up as a cause by a lot of members of the United States Senate. It was brought up when high-level Facebook folks have come before Congress and it's really impacted I think I think the the, the thinking of Facebook and other big social media sites.
0: Let's dive into the Diamond and Silk thing a little bit deeper. So they actually did get a letter from Facebook saying that something had changed for them. And then Facebook said that letter was sent in error. And um, is there any data which seems to show that things changed as a result of of this letter or that the letter was sent because of political reasons?
1: Yeah, I think they received the letter that said some of their content was unsafe. Facebook says they shouldn't have received that letter. But the reality of it is you can look at the data. Facebook bought a company called CrowdTangle, which looks at how far content is reaching on Facebook. Uh, And I took a look at this data over the whole period of time. And you can see that actually Diamond and Silk, they're doing better than almost any other similar publisher, left or right, uh, that publishes a lot of videos on Facebook. Um, And I think that all publishers, as many people are aware of, uh, have seen a decline in their Facebook distribution since the beginning of 2017, but Diamond and Silk have fared much better than most in that process. So there was no point in which they're banned. They repeatedly say that they were banned. There's no point at which they were banned, and there's actually no evidence— that they were targeted or their distribution was reduced in any way. In fact, if you look at the data, it shows that they've actually been doing much better than many publishers who have seen their distribution decline by two-thirds or three-quarters. They've basically remained flat over that period, which is a pretty remarkable achievement uh, based on the algorithm changes.
0: So another common complaint, and this has showed up even in Congress, is this Twitter shadow ban. What was the Twitter shadow ban, and what was the data that came
1: after that? I don't really think there is any Twitter shadow ban. I think that they were looking at certain kinds of abusive behavior and making very small tweaks to... Basically, tangential functionality, like who pops up first when you do a search. But this idea that they've been shadow banned, that people who follow them don't receive their content, I think is untrue.
0: Okay, so another one that came up recently, and this is one that Donald Trump tweeted about, was that Google results were feeding bad news about the president.
1: That, as far as I know, is just completely uh, invented. Basically, there was a study, not even really a study, I would say an article by a right-wing journalist. Her name is Cheryl Atkinson, and she basically did a chart that put all different sorts of publications uh, on a political spectrum. Uh, And this is a chart that essentially said that every publication absent Breitbart and Fox News was left wing, you know, the Associated Press is left wing, uh ABC News is left wing, all of these kind of things. And then says, oh, look, if you type in Trump, whatever it is, eighty percent or ninety percent of the results come from these left wing sources. It really doesn't mean much at all. It's mostly just a reflection of this chart that she made that makes every mainstream outlet a left-wing outlet. There's no truth to that, but there is a lot of power in the president making these claims. I think it makes companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter very fearful that they will be regulated, which they don't want. And so therefore, they'll they'll jump through some hoops to try to assuage them. So
0: is big tech being bullied?
1: I think they are being bullied. They're really being worked over. I think they're extremely naive about how this works. I think they have no idea what is going on. And I think that the right continues because they are amazed at how easy it is to take these companies, billion-dollar companies, and throw out outlandish claims, and they get results. They get committees. They get meetings. They get all sorts of special access and privileges. They're approved as fact-checkers just for throwing out – claims that really have no basis, no evidence for them. And I think that these companies are incentivizing it. And I think you're going to see a lot more. And I'm really concerned since so much of the news and information that's consumed by people is filtered through one of these companies in one way or another.
0: So to play devil's advocate for a minute, there's a lot of concern because these companies are based in a very liberal part of the country, and these parts of the country did vote for Hillary Clinton, did give a lot of their money for Hillary Clinton. And now we even have video of like this Google meeting where the CEO is talking about how terrible it is that Donald Trump has been elected. Is there a legitimate argument that these companies are liberal and need to be watched to make sure that they're being fair
1: look i i don't doubt that many of the people who work there may think of themselves as liberals these companies are not liberal institutions they're not unionized they don't operate for some sort of liberal outcomes they're looking to make money and the idea that there are no right-wing Figures in powerful positions at these entities just isn't true. Uh, Joel Kaplan, who's the head of policy for all of Facebook, was present at Brett Kavanaugh's hearing uh, when he was responding to allegations by Christine Ford, tended that hearing as his personal friend. Campbell Brown is head of news for Facebook, has a long history with right wing causes, especially in the educational field. So I think there's probably some folks who live in San Francisco who are liberal, but the idea that this is controlling the activities of these companies or really impacting how they're surfacing content just is not reflected at all uh, in reality, but it has gotten into their heads.
0: So if we could go back to the Brett Kavanaugh story from Think Progress, at the core of this, I I read through the story and I looked at the headline. I didn't think there was anything factually incorrect about the story. I thought the headline might have gone a little bit too far, like maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, it should have been a 7 and it was at an 8 or a 9. What would you say to that?
1: I think it is was designed to be a provocative headline, but I think in this case the headline is an argument and the— article itself is a detailed and sophisticated legal argument that marshals evidence to support the headline. So you can disagree. You can say that I don't think the case was made, that this isn't as compelling as the author thinks it is. But I think that's one thing. And I also think I'm all for the Weekly Standard writing a fact check, and saying, asserting that this article is inaccurate, or the he- they don't even say that. The headline is inaccurate. But to then say that you, the Weekly Standard, and not Think Progress, and not any other progressive organization can then take that point of view, that opinion about the article, and then lump it in with all sorts of fake news and Alex Jones and everything else penalize the story potentially penalize the whole publication for me it's just a bridge way too far
0: do you support the fact check program generally
1: not as it's currently constructed no because i think that it's clearly designed just as a essentially a public relations vehicle for facebook and they want to use it to claim that they are being responsible and also not biased against the left uh, and that's really the the function of it as it exists. I think that if it was done if it was constructed fairly um, and more transparently, then perhaps it could be a good thing. but I don't think it's functioning well now.
0: I guess Jed I'm I'm of two minds of this because I've been in journalism for a long time now, and I know that a lot of the conversation around, Bias is made by people who aren't actually interested in creating non-biased news, and it's a disingenuous conversation to begin with. At the same time, I think that this back and forth, even around this story, is kind of healthy, and it's a sort of back and forth which happens inside newsrooms all the time, and I think if people were to see more of this, they might have a higher trust of our news.
1: I think the conversation itself is healthy. We're learning things about how the weekly standard works, how Facebook works, how Think Progress works, the whole ecosystem. I think the problem is, is that you have an entity involved here, Facebook, that is used by 2 billion people, that has a huge percentage of the advertising market, that has an immense amount of power, and that it is now doling out that power only to one side. So I'd like to continue having the conversation, but I don't think we can have this power imbalance where you have a multi-billion-dollar company essentially doing the bidding of of the right and right-wing publications who I do not think are engaging in this conversation in good faith. But I'd love to have a good faith uh, conversation around fact-checking. I'd love to have a healthy debate in which. We point out where we think the weekly standard is wrong, and the weekly standard points out where think progress is wrong, and we all point out where we think the Associated Press uh, maybe missed the mark, and we all try to get better and be more accurate and be more rigorous. But I think right now it's it's being conducted in a way that is not facilitating that kind of conversation. It's really – being used to pursue a particular ideological agenda and it's working pretty well
0: all right judd legum thanks so much for coming on bots and Bouts today
1: thanks for having me this was great
0: that's it for bots and Bouts this week from yahoo news please subscribe at apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast thanks this week to judd legum you can find his newsletter at popular.info Thanks to Lizzie Peabody for field recording and to Leah Hitchens, my producer. You can find me on Twitter, Grant E.B. I'm Grant Burningham. Thank you for listening.